Welcome to The Bank Shot with your host, Jane Banks. This show is sponsored by the John Coltrane Jazz Festival and Roar Media Group. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the flow of conversation. And now your host, Gene Banks. Man, let me say this right off the bat. It is so good, so good to be alive. And as Frankie Beverly from Maze would say, back in the strive again. Yeah. The Bank Shot Podcast. Friends, fans, and family, we are back. Yes, we took some time off right, about, right after the holidays. And what happened was we had the holidays coming up. I also had a situation where I had to watch over my mother-in-law who got very ill and she'd been in the hospital two or three times. And uh, I'm, I'm okay with it now, but she, she passed away during that time. And also during that time, I had to get hip surgery. So in that five or six months, it's been trying, but you know what? All your blessings and all your prayers and everybody that, that's reached me back, three to 5,000 of you all, it's been phenomenal. And I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you so much. And I appreciate you. And with COVID and the BL, the ELMs happening, the insurrection of the White House and the new president, et cetera, et cetera, I missed you. I missed all of you the love and the energy that you give me. Thank you so, so much. But without, let me just say this, without further ado, the bank shot with Gene Banks is nothing without the director, the producer, and my co-host, the most luscious, lovely Lynette Jackson. Hi, Lynette. Oh I don't know what to do with that. We're back. Hello, everyone. It's so good to be back. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that title, uh, but uh, it's good to be with everyone. It's nice to be back. We did take a nice little break, um, but we did miss you all, and we're excited to be back, season two, uh, with the bank shot. So thank you so much, Gene, for having me sit next to you in another state. In Atlanta. Wow. <laughs> Isn't technology amazing? It's fantastic. <laughs> so today, here's where we're at. So that we have a guest, someone that changed the sneaker industry and basically made the Nike brand global. Why? I'll explain that why in this awesome segment of The Bank Shot with Gene Banks and co-host Lynette Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> This awesome guest we have today was reared in southwestern Pennsylvania in a borough in Allegheny and Westmoreland County in the Keystone state of Pennsylvania. With its current population, as I checked from 2019, is 3,039 people. Wow. I checked that. That's in this, this borough. That's and currently. That's currently. Wow. Unless somebody had a baby overnight or whatever. <laughs> we, we, don't, we can't check all that. Wow. But, and this is, they're not far from this, about 15, 20 miles from the steel mill town city of Pittsburgh. He is best known for his tenure for Nike with Nike Incorporated. When he, uh, he signed a young future global icon from the University of Carolina. I really can't talk much about that because we got this thing with this Duke and Carolina thing. We don't try to get too much of the light blue, but that's okay. We're, we're okay with that. You know, that's all right. <laughs> but he's, he, he, you know, it's, it's better known. This was his first sneaker deal, and he'll talk about that. I'm sure you can guess who that person is, his airness. He also founded the ABCD Camp, which is and was an elite showcase of high school basketball standouts, which ran from 1984 to 2007. It featured such, oh my God, the, the names of players that they featured in this uh, ABC thing was, I, I, I would have to say, let me see, um, ooh, Dwight, Dwight Howard, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Anybody know those names? Ooh, wow. Okay. Uh, some of you don't know basketball. You probably don't remember those names. <laughs> but that's all good. But, but here's the thing that connects me with him. He co-founded the first national high school all-star game called the Dapper Dan round ball classic with such, you know, the alumni that they have with the Dapper Dan, uh, I can just go down a list of the names of the guys in the Dapper Dan. Um, Calvin Murphy, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Chris Weber, Alonzo Mourning, Kevin Garnett, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, 
Patrick Ewan, Rashid Wallace, and Stefan Marbury. All right, so well, you know, I, I'm I'm going to end this up because I, I got to bring him on, but I must further uh, I, I must further talk about the fact that the Dapper Dan was close to my heart because I'm a Pennsylvanian, you know, you, and you are too, Lynette. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and this was way before McDonald's had their All American Classics. You know, the Dapper Dan was the show. When you were in high school, the show was the Dapper Dan Classic in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he did this. He put this thing together. And also ESPN did a 30 for 30 document about him entitled The Soul Man. <laughs> and last but not least, before I name him on, he also was a key figure in the O'Bannon versus NCAA lawsuit, which allowed players to be compensated. Uh, you know, it, it, it was NCAA's making so much money. And uh, son, uh, well, I almost gave his name out. This 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 young man, <laughs> he did something wonderful for college players, and he knew about the undercut of the whole thing that they should be compensated for this. So, I can go on and on, and he recruited O'Bannon for this case. But let me just say this: I'm done. I'm 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 thankful that I'm still alive. I'm thankful to be doing a podcast. I'm thankful because Sonny Vaccaro, who I'm getting there, I just named his name, didn't I? God, I, I slip up a long time. You know me how my, my tongue is, but I'm going to say excited. it. Listen, you're just excited. I am. I, I really am. Yeah. John Paul Vincent, John Paul <laughs> Vincent is here today from, <laughs> from Pittsburgh, Trafford, Pittsburgh, uh, Trafford, Pennsylvania. And he is here today, best known throughout the world as the great, wonderful Sonny Vaccaro. Hey, Sonny, how are you? Well, I don't, I, I'm certainly not humble because I just listened to a great man raise <laughs> a man that allowed a thousand, not allowed, they allowed me to come into their life. And, and you, Eugene Banks, was uh, one of the ones that st stuck out for many, many reasons. But that was, a, I, I appreciate your, your commentary. I see uh, a, a newcomer in my life, your lovely assistant there. Uh, her smiling face greeted me as I got on the show, and I said, Eugene always did things first class, and that's that <laughs> quite obvious oh, there. Thank you, Sonny. And, and just talking to you know the people in Philadelphia, which has been so much in my life, and allowing me to come on here and discuss whatever it is you want to discuss, betters my life. Um, so I'll just let you, the both of you, take me where you want to go. And, <laughs> Sometimes you're not going to know where, I, where I'm going to end up, where I've been. But son of a gun, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. <laughs> and, long. And, more, and more than anything else, I know we were, we were trying to get connected because you're in California and I'm here on the East, you're on the West Coast, I'm in the East Coast. And, and by saying that, here's the thing. People don't know that you are from Trafford, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Now they know. That's that. Oh. Tell, tell, tell us about your, 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 your life coming up during that time? Well, my life, and if you started, you know, I'm 82 years old, and, you know, I've been here a long time. My life is, uh, my life has really been a jigsaw puzzle. It's, uh, it's something that you can't put together in one sit down. You can't even imagine where you get these little squares and put them where. And Eugene, later in my life, as I, you know, probably once I got out of corporate and just fighting the, uh, the cause for the athletes, and that was in 2007. Everything I did, my round ball classic, the ABCD camp, and the big time tournament in Las Vegas, and I worked for Nike and Adidas and Reebok, and you know, and Michael was one of many, many, but he certainly was the most significant signee that I did. But everything I did led me to a time in my life at the end here, and I'm still, I'm, I'm playing in extra innings, Eugene. God has blessed me. Mm, yeah. Everything I've done started. Yes. In that little, uh, that little town of Trafford. And, uh, and to take you there, I just, I'll tell the, on this journey, as I've gotten on a lot of these pro uh, programs now, the last five or 10 years, especially since 2007, because I went on a speaking tour of universities and, and colleges around the country, 56 of them. And just for your audience, because I want to take them from my beginning into where I was in the middle, I never once, spoke to a basketball or a football player or class. I spoke to the students. Mm. 
the, the ones are going to be, you know, in the academic world. For sure. Journalists, business, lawyers. I spoke to them and anyone else. I spoke at Yale, Columbia, Harvard. Mm. I want to tell your public that because that journey that I took, mm-hmm. I likened it one day on a, a national radio show out of Alabama somewhere. And uh, we were talking and the guy said, so how do you program your life, Sonny? How do you show it? And without any thought of that question, I'm saying on your program for the first time on this kind of a show, the podcast and you know, and the Zoom thing and all that stuff, Eugene, I just said to come out of my mouth, well, ladies and gentlemen, one day, God put me in a car. Mm. He sent me on a ride across America. And I get in that car and across America over the years, there was a hitchhiker. See, because in the 50s, when I was growing up, hitchhiker was the way we got around. None of us had cars. Daddy might have had a car. (laughs) They took trains, they took buses or streetcars. And I said, every once in a while, I stopped along the road Mm. and I picked up a hitchhiker. Wow. This person got in my car. And I'd say, where are you going? I said, down the road, sir. And down the road would be the next town, the next whatever. Not too far away, because no one who ever went far. That phrase, down the road, was very popular at that time. (laughs) And I would drop this person off down the road and down the road. So after an accumulation of years, accumulation of years, when when I got back to the answer, and I'm doing what I always do, I take an hour to get to my point, what did I meet? Thousands and thousands, hundreds and hundreds. One, I have no idea. I never kept track of who jumped in the car and got off. Wow. I was yeah. <laughs> about. But I'll tell you what I found out. After all these years of the journey, Eugene, a lot of the kids got on and off. A mm-hmm. lot of them. Every one of them, are like I'm talking to you today, mm-hmm. this day in June, 2021, our Lord. I say to myself, you got on my car because Joey Goldenberg brought you to an all-star game. That's right. That's good. I never meet you. I Mm. never meet you. So I stand here saying to my beautiful young friend there, young lady, (laughs) what happened to me was fate, God, put me in the hands of Mm. other people Mm. who trusted me Mm. with their sons and daughters. Yes. Care of them. For a weekend. Oh, for a that's week, good. Whatever. Because life goes on. I haven't seen this guy in years. <laughs> you know We're just a thrill. Like it was leaving yesterday, leaving Pittsburgh, leaving the Dapper Dan, and leaving was one of the greatest memories. And I know Eugene wants to talk, but I'm going to say it now because we can go on. <laughs> what Eugene Banks did in 2000 or 1976, I believe, or 77, somewhere in there, Eugene, I don't know what you 1977. 1977. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Before 17,000 people, wow. the Pennsylvania team beat the United States team, Eugene Banks was awarded the most valuable player in the game. And he got cheered and he earned it. But on, this, on his team was a man named Sam Clemson, who was better known for playing in the pros, but he did play college basketball, never played football, ended up as a football pro with the Cleveland Wow. Yep. But I sure did. Sam Clemson. In front of 17,000 people, Eugene Banks said, wait, everybody, wait. And they were clapping for Eugene. It wasn't like he, was a, he wasn't a, a popular winner. He certainly deserved the award. Well, I thought I heard a couple of boos. <laughs> I'm, giving this, I'm giving this award to Sam Clancy. That is still spoken of, although the Dapper Dan hasn't been in. We haven't had a game since 19, or 2007. That's when I walked away. I stopped wow. that for 43 wow. years. Wow. When I walked away, I walked away from everything. But today, today, there are people, there are 17,000 people, there's 170,000, 70,000 people that saw you do that. You know how that operates, you with the ballgame. People remember that. Mm. But you know what? That was sort of a a for, not a warning, a foreclosure of like who this young kid from Philadelphia was. Yes. Yes. Who he was. He was somebody with no ego. He was someone who wasn't vain. He was someone that saw an opportunity to give a deserving friend. And he had probably just met Sam the three or four days of practice in Pittsburgh. And I understand they're still close and they 
they communicate what's wrong. But that's what that's what God wants us to be. So when you yes. ask Sonny Vaccaro, what happened? A lot of people trusted me with their children. And I ended up sitting here wow. on a program, 2021, and watching the world turn around in front of me. And here we are. So take me to another. Oh my goodness. That's so exciting. That is so exciting. It's it's beautiful to hear you tell that story um, about Gene and but he had some great influences in his life, his mother. um, And uh, of course, Coach Joe yourself, you know, and so I, you know, it's, it's understandable that, you know, for the coaches and the people that he had in his life to do that. It was amazing. But I have a question to ask you. Uh, Sonny, why the name Sonny? Because Gene says your name is Paul, right? John, John Paul, right? Paul Vincent in the Catholicism. In, yeah, in, in Catholicism, we have uh, when you get baptized, when you get, you know, uh, all the things that you get as a Catholic, they say you're a Catholic, okay? But we don't wait 13 years like the Jewish people. <laughs> <laughs> the first name I had at birth, I mean, I mean the first, that's the one they wanted, was Juan. That's John in Italian. My grandfather, okay, John, Juan. So you give that, my daddy, my daddy's name was Natali. Natali is Christmas in Italian. Ah, right okay, right okay. But so I got my grandfather's name, just John. But now I get baptized, okay? We had, in the 50s, in the Catholic religion, it was much different than it was today. I, I, I loved it more than I do today. That's not knocking the Catholics. I have problem with all kinds of people who have all the answers. But anyway, in the Catholic religion, <laughs> my two cousins, Paul and Vincent, were mm-hmm. in a seminary. And they were going to be priests. So what would be a better thing, Paul and Vincent, <laughs> to, I was I was the first of that part of the family, the, the male part. So mm-hmm. my mom gave me Paul Vincent. So I got now John Paul Vincent Picaro. That's all those names are all given names by relatives. And okay. But Sonny, <laughs> now this, is, this has been verified by my aunts. Okay. Because okay. it's obviously, especially at 82, right? I'm still Sonny and I always will be Sonny. <laughs> my mother supposedly said. 19, 2000, I don't know, I was born in 1939, whatever, a long, long time ago, someone might have asked her that question without even thinking, why Sunny? There was no, it just was, from what I'm told, a beautiful love, I was the first one because my mother had a hard time conceiving and I only have a brother, which is odd in those years, one, one son, in the Italians especially, uh, we, you know, had 10,000 in the family. For <laughs> seven years, and my mother said, at that time, he was the sunshine of my life. Oh. That's what Anna wow. Irene told Anna Irene was, so sunny, and I, even though it's like awkward, oh. that, is, uh, that is how sunny came about. Well, you know, time. your mom was right, because I'm meeting you for the first time, but you are the bright sunshine. So well, I have a young brother that, that came along seven years later, so he was cut out of that. So, but I, I'm glad my and <laughs> whatever. Well, so. nice to officially meet you, Sonny. <laughs> John, John Paul Vincent. Uh, yes, okay. that's amazing. <laughs> that's me, and that's what's all. That's how, that's what we did. I mean, you know, whatever. Well, listen, we're going, to take a, we're going to take a break real quick because we want to come back because I want to talk about the Dapper Dan because the thing about the Dapper Dan Classic that's very important is that the U.S. team was beating the Dapper Dan, uh, the, the Pennsylvania team, for many, many years. And then there was also another twist to that with Albert King and myself coming to that because the McDonald's Classic yeah. decided to open up in 1977. So we're going to come back and get on that note after we take what you call, you say a break, but I call it a timeout. Okay. And we'll be back. Chris Bodie headlines the 10th John Coltrane International Jazz and Blues Festival. Labor Day weekend, September 4th at Oak Hollow Park in High Point with saxophonist Marcus Anderson, vocalist Kenny Lattimore, bassist Julian Vaughn, and from New Orleans, the band Galactic. 
And on Sunday, September 5th, it's the 2021 Grammy-winning jazz vocalist Kurt Elling, blues sensation Kingfish, Tito Puente Jr., with special guest Melina Aldovar, and saxophonist Lakeisha Benjamin. Get your tickets now at ColtraneJazzFest.com. Did you hear that? That's Tito Fuente. Ooh, girl. All y'all, I'm telling you, if you don't do anything else when September comes for the Labor Day, the John Coltrane Festival. Yes. It, it, it's going to be a high point, which is the furniture capital of the world uh, in North Carolina. It's been going on for years. And did you hear that music? I, I'm going to be there. Uh, yes. Lynette, you, uh, you're going to be there. We're going to be so gonna do- excited uh, about that. It's Labor Day weekend, September 4th and 5th. And, you know, the cool thing about it, Gene, is we've all been in lockdown, right? Uh, and the world is opening up. So this is an amazing opportunity to come to High Point, North Carolina, and really listen to some great, great jazz. And we just want to give you a little bit of taste of uh, one of the artists that are going to be there, which is Tito Puente Jr. Man, mm. I'm a big salsa fan, so I'm going to be dancing the entire time he's playing, but there's several other artists coming up. Uh, you have Chris Boti, uh, yeah, Kingfish. Uh, it's just the, the, a lot. I, I wonder. I wonder if Sonny know anything about Chris Boti. Mm. Uh, I, I know Coltrane too. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who can <laughs> Coltrane? Right? Oh, no, no, smooth. No, no, no. I, I, and I obviously know Chris. You know, Chris always amazed me, or anyone just. That plays the one instrument, and it's not an instrument that like that grabs you. It's not a saxophone. Yeah, you know, right. a guitar. I mean, they get they get they get the riffs by themselves, right? But uh, but he he is mesmerizing. I mean, he is he, amazing. Mesmerizing. You know? The people the people do not know what they're gonna get when he comes there. I I just I've heard him a little bit, but I finally listened to some of his music, and then Tito Fuentes, which we just heard. Uh, it's it's going to be the one of the most amazing shows, and I've been to several of them. They they've had Al Jarreau, they've had Lena Halfway, they've had oh this this show who who has been conducted by um, uh, Joe Williams, who is a Philadelphia guy. He went yes. to John Bartram. Yes, he went to John Bartram. He's the conductor and, and the maestro of all this at the hype the John Coltrane Festival. So. I'll, I'll, I'm going to give yes. you an invitation, Sonny, with you and yes. Pam you just coming to this area and visit. <laughs> I'm going to give you royalty. You know, if Eugene, you... Eugene I'll, t- I'll tell you what I could do, right? But we're, we're going to go to the Dapper Dan and we're going to do all the things you want to do and tell you, Eugene and you and, uh, and Albert. But I'll tell you what, if we stop the show now and we talked about music, <laughs> Uncle Sonny and tell you and Lynette some stories. Uncle They're Sonny, all... I love oh. it! Come on now. My partner, Lynette, that he talked about was a young man named Pat DeCesar and another Italian was a friend of mine who grew up next week. We rented from her, his grandmother. I got to oh tell this story. The only reason that Dapper Dan ever started is because Pat was working for a, a record company, uh, selling to records, not the company. No in way. 1963, two years before the, the Dapper Dan first started in 65. I got to tell Lynette this story. Yes. Okay. And I thought the idea of the game. And, and he was a promoter yep. and he used to work and sell these records. He worked for a guy named Tim Torme. And if you look it up, Tim Torme is one of the legends of pro- promotions. Yes. Uh, Lynette, just so you know, Pat de Caesar borrowed $5,000 from his daddy. Now that was $5 million in 1960. Yes. <laughs> he gave it to Tim Torme. She said, Pat, you want a little piece of the thing? We're bringing in this group called the Beatles. Come he on. brought him into Pittsburgh in that same arena you played because they just made this new civic arena. Oh, so my goodness. That happened. So what did Uncle Sonny do, Eugene, that you wouldn't even have a clue about? You, and this is what I like. I'm listening. I'm listening. Who know me, but they don't know a darn thing about it. <laughs> you know what me and my brother Jimmy and a friend Nikki Louver did in 1971? Well, because of Dapper Dan, Eugene Banks, I knew all the coaches in the world. And okay. I knew Coach Frank McGuire, who just was the head coach then at the University of South Carolina. That's right. Brand new building, they met. A brand new building. Well, I knew Coach McGuire from the Dapper Dan. He'd come in there and watch. So I went to him because my brother came to me and said, Sonny, Go get Frank McGuire. See if we can rent the Columbia Coliseum. Oh, Why, Jimmy? Goodness. We're going to promote a show there. 
1971, Grand Funk Railroad. Ooh. I'm just rambling, I'm rambling, man. No so way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my Frankie, God! Frankie Valley, the Four Seasons. You know, Frankie Valley. Hold on, how about no? How about if I tell you that a oh guy named goodness. Jimmy Soul? If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, life make a pretty woman your wife. <laughs> oh, I oh. with all the patches and all the sad songs. So, Mr. Banks. You stepped yes. on the wrong path. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love you. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, Sonny. You know, Sonny, the thing about the reason why I love doing this podcast, and I've done some great ones, uh, and th there's many of them. And then you, th this is even more, even more special, is to learn about people's roots and where they come from, not just about mm -hmm. the X's and O's, about sports. It's, and that, that, and th that, Oh, it, it, it fills me. It fills me because I'm back growing up and, and, and knowing about people's journeys and things about when you talk about music, man, you, whew, man, oh, you, you don't want to hold it's it's so spiritual. Music is just it, is. it has such emotions and uh and it heals and it saves and it soothes. And so uh started in that little town of Trafford three it was four thousand when I was there three thousand you know whatever now it was a hill and they were the first of uh, when the the fifty thousand watt radio stations and, and there was one in, in Philadelphia I used to live through all the time because they give all the sports news all the darn time but mm -hmm. I went up the top of this hill with Johnny and, and Pat Pat the Caesar and Johnny Mike and another a boyhood friend and we listened to the rock and roll from Randy's record store in wow. Memphis, Tennessee. Just go out mm. and look at Randy's record store. Randy's record store. Randy's record store. Turner, my God. Randy. Randy. <laughs> they don't know who. Turner, like, was the king of rock and roll. And then we had oh, the other guys. I love it. I love but it. Let, let, me, let me just, we'll, we'll change. But I, I got to say this. I got to say Go ahead. This. I I'm want you to. I'm in Philadelphia. I'm, I'm in Philadelphia. Yes. So, okay. If you go back to the origins of music and you go back to the rock and roll and the jazz, now you got to go to Memphis, we got to go to the jazz. Every part of the country uh -huh. had something. Yes, sir. But when rock and roll hit and it left the South because Big Joe turned that, what we did, what those kids did in there, uh -huh. there was every little group from every corner of Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, New York City, and every once in a while, somebody from New Jersey jumped in, like Bruce Springsteen or somebody. But before all these people, mm. that thing of three guys under the lamplight, yes. you, were, you, were, you, were, you were either black, you were either Italian, mm. and the Jewish kids probably wrote the songs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it was. Yep. Everybody had a group. Pat and Johnny wow. had a group. I mean, my yes. You know that, I, I didn't I didn't I didn't expect that. I didn't expect <laughs> that. And that is a great surprise. And the viewers and everybody the listeners are gonna be amazed because yes. we have a lot of people that my age and, and older that will appreciate just hearing that part of yes. it. That, that's because I'm I'm man, you got me yeah, me thinking. And they heard it from Uncle Sonny. You know, I had Uncle, Sonny. Uncle Sonny, my aunt I, her name was Alberta, and we called her Alberta. And she was my favorite aunt, okay? Right. I thought she was the most beautiful woman in the whole world. world. I used to stare at her all the time. Right. She married a guy named Sonny, and he See? was Uncle Sonny, and I loved him. So well, you are now my Uncle Sonny. You are now by the umbilical cord almost. We'll give you all that. So absolutely, you can talk about music, Uncle Sonny, anytime you want to talk about music. I yes. love it. But when yes. you, I think you hit that nerve under the streetlight. Yep, because yep. I mean, I grew up in the 60s. Gene and I both. I mean, I grew. I was born in 1961, so I grew up in the 60s, and I grew up she listening did. to amazing, amazing music, street corner music, and so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big jazz blues fan. Oh my and, god! Um, you know, you know, this, it's, it's, this we can almost do another segment <laughs> that has nothing to do with basketball when it comes to Sonny Vaccaro. But here's the thing: let's get back to one thing because I, I, I want to learn something about. That's really interesting. The Dapper Dan Round Ball Classic. Yes. And and one of the things that's most important is why did you decide to make this classic? And then all of a sudden you got McDonald's coming in to make their classic. And you had the situation between Albert King and myself because we had, they gave us this thing with you to make a decision. You either go into one or the other. Yes. 
So tell us about the Dapper Dan whole origins of that. Well, I think I think the two of you would have come to the Dapper Dan first because of Coach Goldberg and I knew Albert's family very well. I, right. I, I know I knew about Albert in sixth grade and you know his brother, you know, and, and his family. I and to this day, Albert's one of the ten kids that physically I see once in a while, like Tracy and a couple of those kids. I've met mm-hmm. thousands, whatever, and we're all close and friends. We have memories of each. So I don't, what happened there was, is they then come in and in the, in the NCAA, put in a two game rule too, if you remember. So you kids had the freedom to play in four or five prior to that. And, um, and so I, I knew it was big to all of them. And Albert was going to go to the University of Maryland. I mean, so that mm-hmm. was another consideration. And I had no, no gripe with, I had a gripe with, the NCAA and with the McDonald's people, but I understood. So they made a promise that it wasn't I allowed you, but if I, you know, didn't cause a ruckus, I guess, because I could, you could, you could have done what you want. I never, never once mentioned to Joey, you, you know, you both picked those two games. So right, I right. did. And I did it because it was the right thing to do because it wasn't either of us ability, but I also, foresaw something in the future where this group, the Subway, is just crazily involved with people they shouldn't be involved with the AJR. But mm-hmm. so I go down there and I just wanted to make sure they put you on the airplane. To come yeah, to the I remember that. We, yeah. we, were, we were going all week, back and forth, back and forth to the yeah. media things and, and so forth. And, and that, now, the sin of that, if you look at it logically, in the, the greediness, and, and also I think, I think really, Eugene, like a lot of things, and I'm paranoid to a extent, is it was more a bitch about me than it was McDonald's. Like, I was starting now to get known, the round ball, mm-hmm. you know, pretty soon. Now I had just signed, I think I just signed that I was going to work with Nike, no Michael Jordan yet, but I was involved with the teams and all that sort of thing. In fact, you know, when you come back to speak later on when you were at Duke, Coach, Coach Krzyzewski came up there and, like, you know, was protecting you or thinking I was going to send you the ABA or the NBA or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. You know, so they all had these visions of whatever I could or couldn't do, which, you know, talking to someone like you, you know that I didn't do. But my point, yep. I don't want to here and talk about that anymore. But it's just a point where it was ludicrous and stupid, but it was caused by the outside element, the answer of way which had no right to interfere with your life or even what I was doing as a business deal and with, with, with Bob, uh, the, the people who ran Morgan Wooten was your coach and Morgan's in a hall of fame. I mean, it, it was, it was good for everybody. It was Charity amazing. We got money. We made money or whatever. I mean, it was good. And the kids was, as you go through life, what do they talk about? The McDonald's game, the round ball game. They have their jerseys, they have their hats and you probably have your white bag yet. I'll bet you. All right. You Listen, have the white seven- bag. 17,000 people. Yeah. It was sold out. <laughs> and there was no way, by being a Pennsylvanian, if it was going to be a choice, there was no way I was going to. I would. I, if it came down to that, it would have been a tough decision not to go to McDonald's because I was going to go to Pennsylvania game because that's, I'm from Pennsylvania. My team was with it. My high school coach was involved. So I'm glad it got worked out. And, uh, and, and, it, and it really brought me and Albert together. Because we yeah. traveled the whole time, mm-hmm. and 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 I loved him as a player, uh, as a person. We 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 had a great time through that experience. But I'm gonna tell you, after that McDonald's game, I got to Pittsburgh. I was dead tired. <laughs> <laughs> I was beat. I was exhausted. You gave and, and you gave the operatic performance of your life. Oh my god! before seventeen thousand people. <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you, Sam Clancy held me up. I said, Sam, I'm, I'm wearing it. He says, I got you, big guy. And that's one of the reasons why it promoted me to do that. And every time I turned around, I was I got up, when I fell on the floor, he picked me back up. He said, "Come on, we go." We, he said, "We're gonna win this one. We're gonna win this one. They they ain't beating us today." Yep. He said, "We they're not, they're not winning this one." He said, "Come on, big guy, I got you. I got your back." And that's what that's the reason why I really pushed to give him that because he he covered my back the whole time. Uh, and people don't know, Fran McCaffrey was our one of our guards. Sure. You look at him; he's the head coach of Iowa now. He looks like a banker now. You know, you look at him, he looks like a banker. And we had a great, we had a star-studded group of guys that went after the USA team. They had a great team, but we beat them. 
We beat them, man. And I felt so proud that we represented beating that, that team representing Pennsylvania. And you made it so. Uh, you were a guy, when you came to me, you gave me, I, I felt the jolt of what you were doing. Uh, your spirit uh, made me made me happy to be a part of that. And that made me want to win this this tournament and come and be a part of that. So it was you. It was you. It was you that that that, that pushed that button for me. You know what, though? It was you on a spontaneous thing in recognizing Sam Clancy. And that's what sports does. That's what entertainment yes. does. This is what the world has no idea on because sports and entertainment are a whole different breed to the universe than brilliant people, doctors and lawyers, people who do other things worthy that. But yeah. the entertainer, and I'll just say all the sports, you're all entertainers and you bring relief to minds and hope to the, the embodiment of a child, you know, for all their lives, whether they play that game or not, there's always a hero. And I, I, always, I always knew that, I think from the beginning. Uh, Eugene, I was only 25. When I started, I was only seven years older than you probably. I, I was this kid, basically, you know, and, and had this idea. I didn't know why. I didn't think anybody. And when I said, when we walked into, I'll give it one, I know Linda, we're on, a, on the bubble here, but when we walked into Dapper Dan and a man named Mal Abrams with the Jetter, he, would ha, he had okay them sponsoring us. Mm-hmm. So it come down to, at the end, he said, oh, okay, who's going to pay the bill if nobody shows up? And I, I swear to God, I said, he did. He did. I, I pointed to my, my, my friend Pat. And the reason is Pat had a job working for Tim Torme. He made a couple of dollars, but it was a gamble. What the, we didn't have five cents. I mean, we, were, we were, put his name on that damn thing. And in the first night, 10, first game, 10, how's he winning on? We sold out the first game. The mm. second game, and you said the name Calvin Murphy. The se- if I had a guy that made it continue, it was Calvin Murphy. Calvin Murphy in 1966, Eugene, put on a show with a young, a young little five feet 11 kid named Sam Iacino, who went to a small school, Gannon in Pennsylvania, from Farrell, Pennsylvania. And that was a big time high school in the old days. And, yep. and you'll know about that. They used to win the state championship all, all the time. And Philadelphia couldn't play in some of them to see. Like, I know that, team. Yep. But just for Lynette's understanding here, they come on and, and, and Calvin dunked. Nobody dunked in 65. <laughs> they were a big guy, but nobody dunked. Calvin, and Calvin, I probably know he is. And I go down to honor Calvin in Houston, when he's still playing for the Rockets, 25th anniversary of round ball. And I went on, you know, we're there. And, uh, and I gave him at that time, the, the most, I, I don't know what I called it. We made it something up. And I it was like the man who saved the round ball. I didn't use the word save. It had been not right for the other players, but I, you know, the guy who made the round ball, like not right. save, not like that. And I gave him and all the people were there. And, and, and the reason I brought the, the white uh, bag up and Calvin turns to me in the crowd and there's 17,000 people, you know, that, that stadium down there. We did a high school game there. And, uh, and Calvin said, and he grabbed me and this man. And he said, and Mr. Carroll, he did that night. He said, and his mother or his wife, it might've been his wife then, you know, carried over the white bag. Said this was the Dapper Dan, you know. Wow. He had a picture of the Rockwell wow. player, and that's what it's meant to me. That's that's, that's why that's major. That's you know, major. Linda, how much time do we have? I'd like to talk about a subject. And I knew we're <laughs> oh, we we're, we're going to. But we're good, Uncle yeah, we're, Sunny. We're good. This is your show. This is your show. <laughs> but, but, but what we're going to do? Uh, we do have to take another break. You know, we got we got some things we got to do, some sponsors that got to say, hey, 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 and all right. that. But we're going to take, but I, I don't like to call them breaks. I like to call them timeouts. It's basketball related. So we'll be back. Legendary songstress and entertainer Janet Jackson has suffered since childhood. Actress, host, and activist Jada Pinkett Smith admitted she battled with it in her early 20s. Dak Prescott, all-pro quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, was brave enough to bring light to his situation after the death of his mother. And Grammy award-winning rapper Jay-Z says confronting it was life-changing and he will always be a staunch advocate for seeking help. We are talking about mental health and those celebrities and more understand the importance of getting the help you need. If you have feelings of grief and 
anxiety, or even depression, Telehelp 24-7 is a new virtual company that is focused on providing mental health care services for people of color and is here for you. Get on your phone, tablet, or computer and sign up for Telehelp 24-7's free holiday sessions where you can talk things out with others and a licensed clinical professional. Go to telehelp247.org to learn more and see how you can get the help you need today. That's telehelp with a P, 247.org. Telehelp 24-7, culturally competent mental health care. Understand the night when she flashes her sparkling eyes at dusk. Mm, mm, mm. That brother is bad. Oh my smooth, goodness. Smooth, smooth. He, he sounds like my, what's my boy there? That, Gregory that, uh, Porter. Gregory Porter. He did the John Coltrane Festival a couple of years ago, and I, I, I was amazed listening yes. to this music at the John Coltrane Festival in High Point. That's and, right. But, but you know what? Labor Day weekend is going to be going down. Labor Day weekend, September fourth and fifth, twenty twenty-one. And where? In High Point, North Carolina. Okay. Now you had a question for because here's here's the thing I want to find out: How did the Dapper Dan Brown Ball Classic get its name? Oh yeah, that's great. That's a great question. Sunny, Uncle, Uncle Sunny. When we, when we when we went into the the newspaper, the, the Dapper Dan, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, and asked him to sponsor our game, you know, and a man named Al Abrams uh, was the editor. He, he ran the whole darn show. He's the one that you know that okayed it. He okayed the money and he okayed the backing, and he ran the paper. Mm-hmm. And and he said the only thing we're going to do is call it the Dapper Dan Round Ball Classic instead of the Post-Gazette Round Ball Classic. Okay. And the question why, I knew then, because the Dapper Dan was the biggest charity in the, in the city of Pittsburgh. There's no question about that. They'd have a, a banquet once a year, a thousand people at the Hilton Hotel, and they honored everyone, everyone who was anybody. You know, you, you were honored nationally. <laughs> and, locally, yep. and Roberto Clemente was my idol. And, you know, and I actually met him uh, you know, one of the one of those award things. But the Dapper Dan was the charity that gave all the money that they earned. They had different they had golf tournaments, but then the game turned out to be the biggest thing. That's who and that's why it's the Dapper Dan. And the Dapper Dan was this little guy like that that Charlie Peanut guy, you know that guy in the <laughs> yeah. hat on and Oh yeah, he was very dapper. Yeah, that like that hat Ah, he was very dapper, very dapper. Well, Ah. one thing I wanted to say, you you did a great, you did a great thing for the people of Philadelphia, my high school coach and all the players. And the inner city as well. Amazing getting them to come. Because you had had a preliminary game before the the main game. People don't understand. Joe Garrett played in that game. Mm -hmm. Some other players played in. Lewis Lloyd as well. Lewis played in the first game. You're right. Oh, wow. Yes. He didn't play in the main game, but he played in the first game. He's from Uh, Overbrook, right? He's a Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Him and Will Smith and all, Will Chamberlain and all those guys. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, and and, and Joe talks about that to this very day. And you you also, it wasn't so much about basketball. You had, you, you, you had the uh, boat ride and you had yeah. the, the affairs afterwards and so forth. There was a, it was a, a festival through that whole scenario that you did. It wasn't just about a, just a game. It was people coming together. Social, uh, yeah. James Flint was there. Bruiser Flint's father. He was a part right. of all a lot the of gun things. Band man. The gun band man, right? The, all the guys. Tony Martino. Cal, Cal, Cal Smith. Tony Cal Martino. Bruno, Tony Sammartino, who worked for the Sunny Hill Baker League and all that, who, who was a very strong influence on me, and I miss him so much. Uh, uh, you brought the Baker League into it, the Sunny Hill League into it. You brought mm-hmm. all of us it all was. together, and it was a great venue for us to all come together and be there. You made that happen, and I thank you so much. Yes. You know what? And, 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 and thank, you know, thank, thank the Joe Goldenberg. I mean, you know, yeah. thank you know, the coaches, it was such a dynamic that we got so close. I mean, yeah. and if you, and, and the other thing that was, that we were very proud of, my wife and I, when we took this boat ride, Lynette, they, we had the cheerleaders from all the different city schools mm-hmm. or whatever come on the boat ride. And, you know, and, and it was, and one of the funny ones was Patrick Ewing, where we're sitting, and I have a picture of Patrick on that boat, Eugene, and we're sitting there, 
and Patrick was afraid of the water. Like, he was afraid oh of my goodness! <laughs> and we'd go out in the deck, and it was, it was beautiful because it was a beautiful day. You, yeah, I don't think we ever had rain or snow, uh, but he'd go up and down the three rivers. That's what that's what it was. All three of the rivers would take us about an hour and a half, two hours on his chartered boat. It was our beautiful. boat. We had you know records and you know. And, and it was all the girl. The girls added to it, but to go back to Patrick, and he always called me Mister Vaccaro. And most of the kids at that time, you know, did or whatever. And he was such a, you know, uh, he was John's first guy. You know, Georgetown. Patrick mm-hmm, brought mm-hmm. to Georgetown what you brought, what all the the great ones did. Okay, they brought their whole forever. They're attached to that university, as you yes. are to Duke. Okay, yes. so we're there, and he goes, Mister Vaccaro. What Pat was that? I'm afraid to go up there. He said, I, I'm afraid of the water. I said, well, I do. But I couldn't say we'll go back down because by then everybody was gravitating. In fact, the picture with Patrick, the, 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 the young ladies were out, you know, the wind was blowing in their hair and all that. But it was such an honest reaction when you say first, Pat's <laughs> on a boat. You know, going up and down the river. He ain't never been on a boat. Like I was He's never on a been on a boat. Like I was never on an airplane. They sent me to California. You know, uh, that's my point. Things happened to the kids yes. that never happened before. And if you yes. got there, you were invited. On. If anybody's parents were there, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had no Lake County. Or yeah, my mom, my mom and dad. My mom and dad came. And, yeah, and, I mean, and, and they ate well. They came around. That's my point. It was one for the family. The other guys were, the other guys used to make the parents buy tickets one time. I don't want to get into that. But my point <laughs> is for Lynette, it was such a social thing. Yeah. It was such a, a, a bonding thing. I mean, and, and Eugene, you and I have both watched um, the evolution of the sport. Yep. There's a lot yeah. of success stories and a lot of sad stories, and uh, but they didn't have they didn't they, did, they didn't have this that that camaraderie and that love that yeah. place that they don't do that anymore. Uh, like they yeah. used to. It, it, it isn't. It's more whatever. I, I don't want to get into whatever. We know. We know. I, I want to say something to your audience. Go ahead. One of the greatest players that never really had, and, and by his own admission, he screwed up a little bit. Okay, that ever played in a game and had one of the greatest games was Jimmy Baker. Mm. Jimmy Baker, he played with Maurice Lucas and Ricky Coleman and all those guys. It was one of the great games. I think, you know, Joe, Jelly Bean played, Joe Bryant's daddy, you know, yep. Chubby Cox played, his uncle. I had everybody. We had everybody. Jimmy Jimmy was brilliant, and, you know, and there was no question about it. And he he, he screwed up on the other side. But to make this positive, though, Jimmy's turned his life around, done unbelievable, raised a great family. His children are doing well. And it shows you what the mind of an athlete and a person who sets his mind up to doing whatever, because there's been holes for all of us. And uh, I wanted to mention that because I think, I think he's one of the greatest players in Philadelphia that never gets recognized. I wouldn't know because I don't live there because it wasn't a successful aftermath. Like I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm going to make sure it's, it's known because people don't even know that Joe Bryant was Kobe's dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. And he, right. He, he he was great. He's I'm going I'm going to get him on my podcast for sure because I I didn't like the situation of how the representation of uh when the memorial was and I'm being very honest. I'm just you know if nothing else besides what personal situation they're having or whatever, the mom and dad always has to be in the forefront. You know the wife. I mean, you cut the biblical cord and your wife and your family, but you got to give them acknowledgement. And they weren't really acknowledged like they should have been because. Joe Bryant was the key of Kobe being so successful going over Italy. He's playing over in Italy and they, they, they were, where they were a family. They, they had to look out for each other. So they were strong together. So that, that's one of the things that I wanted to say. And then I think I'm not sure about the Jimmy Baker thing where D- Jalen Rose is his, his son. Is that my correct? No, no. Jalen is uh, no, oh my God, he's a great player. No, that's not, no. No, not Jimmy but Baker. Okay, his father was a great player for the Duke Cherry Pistons. Oh my God! Okay, that's right. That, that's what. That's what that Jimmy was. Jimmy was just a high school player. From, he was brilliant though. Uh, he was. It was a nineteen. He was before you. He was nineteen. Yes. Seventy. Yes. Early seventies. Yeah. You know, going back for one minute, you opened the door for me. That's hard for me to say, and I only want to stay a minute. What What they did, what they did to Joe and Pam, is sinful. Yes. I agree. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yo, Joe, 
I can attest to that personally because if Joe does not bring Kobe to ABCD and he only did it because he played in the game and so did Pam's brother yes. Chubby, yes. new Sonny Vaccaro. Yep. He had just gotten back. He was going up to Lower Marion, even though he was playing on the yeah. sidewalks and all that stuff. No one really knew what it was. He brought him over as a junior and that started the thing. Wow. None of this would have happened. I probably wouldn't. And that doesn't mean Kobe wasn't great. That's nothing. I, I agree. I but, agree. But I, what they did and what the wife did was sad. It was, yep. sad, it was, sin- sad, it was sad. very sinful. It was very sinful. Wow. Very simple. Yeah. But I but I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I correct that. I'm gonna have Joe on my podcast because my podcast we we talk about this is what I love about my podcast. We're talking about music. Yeah. We're, we're talking about lives, we're talking about people touching lives, we're talking about our parents. This is what I love when doing this this podcast, and Annette was the one that really pushed me to doing this. We're talking about the grassroots of how we came up and who yes. helped us lift us up and who put us on our way. And I'm going to do, I'm going to try to get coach K and I, I don't want to talk about coach K's numbers. I want to talk about coach K where he was growing up in Chicago. Cause he loved his brother and he loved the streets of Chicago and his best friend, Mo. And he went to West point. That's the stories that I like to talk. And just the stories like you're talking that the, the music thing, I'm, I'm still blown away about you knowing music like that. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to hear about the Nike story because yes. that is such a huge story. And so I have my questions about that. But tell us about the Nike story, Uncle Jeff. There we go. <laughs> you know what? I, I can't, you know, Lynette, I, I'll tell you about it. The only thing I can tell you is if you just... There's a problem with Nike. There's a problem with Phil Knight and Michael Jordan and George Rabbit, three people I knew very well, that for some reason, and none of it through me, have done an egregious thing to me personally and to the world for, for and I won't let it die and it won't. And, and, and I don't need vindication from anybody. For sure. All I need is truth. Mm-hmm. And why or how come they chose this avenue uh, is beneath all three of them, really. I have no idea. But mm-hmm. you will find out, and we don't have time, and I don't, I, I, you know, the story is almost as refutable as a birth to a woman. You have the child, it's your child. Mm-hmm. There was no Michael Jordan without Sonny Vaccaro. No there, doubt about it. There's just, mm-hmm. there's just illogical to think it. And when I tell you the journey that Michael and I shared, it's even more ridiculous. And when I just tell you the journey that George Rattling and I shared is even more ridiculous. <laughs> but the only thing I can tell you about Phil Knight, the only journey I had with Phil, he hired me. It was a pretty damn good hire because before he hired me, I I thought it was Nikki, not Nike. In the world. Nikki shoes. <laughs> Because because you get because you came up with the idea that no one, no one else ever did, giving the coaches extra shoes, giving yeah. the shoes and so forth, and and giving them this, yeah. and, and, and and they did that, and it was like it was so innovative they did, they couldn't even grasp it, they didn't understand it, but it it made the the, the movement go so much unbelievable, and people have respect for that, and that was you that did that. Well, it was because it was. I mean, uh, you know, well. Mike ought to be very lucky. He made about $50 million and John Thompson did and all these great Jimmy Beheim. Well, mm-hmm. it was a business. And the only way I could figure out, I had nothing to do with corporate. I, I went out there to get them to give me shoes for the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yep. Wow. I need a sponsorship. Give me some. I used wow. to have broke heads and Converse. So this new Bro company, kids. I, I was, I was, that's I went there for that. And then they said, I said, well, why don't you go and watch my game? And they came to watch your game. They were there that night. Rob Strong. Wow. That's wow. the game they saw, 17,000 people. But but just for that, when I said pay the coaches, the only thing I knew would happen is the kids had no say. They were going to wear those shoes. Right. Nike didn't have to buy a commercial. The shoes were on the feet. And in mm-hmm. four years, they didn't have one team, not even University of Oregon. Mm-hmm. In four years, you know, we had teams winning the national championship. Like, you know, like Jimmy Valvano, then in 1984, we had all four teams. Nike. Mm-hmm. I mean, we owned William, and then we signed Jordan in 84, 85. Then we had everybody in the world. So to 
to pretend it's 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 really boggles my mind from because each each of the three people have done very well yes. in this world. Mm-hmm. And it has to be, I don't know what talent has to be. And I really don't care now because they took they they crossed the, the Rubicon with me. Right. It was fine. Mm-hmm. We did we didn't, you know, he fired me and that's fine. I went on I think my life actually changed and I went on to Adidas and this and and then you know Eugene I went into the greatest thing I ever happened to me, the advocate for the athletes, when I quit everything. And I said at the beginning of the show, when I quit, I quit the Dapper Dan. I quit mm-hmm. big time. I quit, I quit everything. I quit the name of Sonny Vaccaro and all these great events. Mm-hmm. And and we're, we're in court waiting for the Supreme Court to please rule for the athletes. So I was never mad about that. I was mad about their lying. See, mm-hmm. and Eugene, I'd like to say this on your show. And, let, and, and please do, please do. That's how my show is. So We're going to be real. I think, I think a lie is the worst thing a human being can do and say about somebody else, especially when the human being that you're lying about and, mm-hmm. and trying to not make true can't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll use this, and I think I may have... I don't know if I have. I only said it a few times, and I've just started saying it the last couple of years. And I read an awful lot to Eugene from someone that had no. I went to Youngstown. It wasn't the next. I graduated third from the bottom of my class, Lynette. So I wasn't a branch college. Pretty damn good athlete, and I got scholarships and all that stuff. But somewhere along the line, I read a lot of books I never was supposed to read, like Nostradamus, whatever. And I remember picking up a paperback mm-hmm. of a child named Anne Frank. Oh, wow. wow. I reading this. And I knew, because everybody in my family was in a war. And Pam's daddy was in, went to Normandy. I had an uncle who was a prisoner of war for nine months. My dad's brother for the Allies got killed at the war. And every one of my other uncles worked, you know, stateside. My dad didn't go to the war because he had a job working in a steel mill. And that was a, a, a war essential. We had a make steel so if you can do something that related to the, the war you were deferred and you so my daddy poured the lava into the thing for 43 years but mm-hmm. all through the war years so i had a recollection of that word we didn't know as a public about anne frank until years after mm-hmm. you know why we really knew because that little girl in that attic just one day in the last year it hit me that book i read because i was involved just horrible lie not like that don't mislead but if she wouldn't have wrote those notes in that attic and they wouldn't have survived because they did mm-hmm. survive because the Germans burned everything. They didn't wow. find these. But one day, 20, 30 years later, they find them in something, in a cushion or something. And they were reprinted. Wow. I say, because that was the first first person witness. Now, like I said, my, my, my father-in-law liberated you know, the camps. We knew what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we didn't live it through a child's eyes. Mm-hmm, right. mm-hmm. So when she'd say she was in that attic and they were here last night, we had to be quiet from 10 o'clock to 12. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And the bread was left on a certain place where they can only pick up the, because the, they couldn't even get downstairs to see the people for years. I mean, that book did more than Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. All the war stories. Wow. Because it was real. Mm-hmm. There wasn't room for Artists are, you know, are, you know, they can do more. They can fabricate. They can spread the truth a little bit. Right. This girl wrote the only thing she was capable of writing right. what she was living. And mm. the lie would have perpetrated itself and perpetrated mm-hmm. itself. Yep. It have been movies. We see with this last president, they, they refused to believe what happened. He's, yep. He did it for four and a half years. He's a horrible human being. But there are people that believe it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's and, what happens when you get when you're powerful. Mm-hmm. You can lead. You can lead to all the all the leprechauns. They can all go. All the they can jump right. off the bridge that's with right. you. You yeah. mentioned why the hell are they jumping? Well, that's what the leader just did. We'll jump too. James yeah. Jones. I know that you you guys are you know, but that's where my mind is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So lies are bad. I'm not saying what these people did to me or other people. I'm saying I can't. I I had. I had the power, not so much of money. I had the power of people listening to my stories. Yeah. You know, right. And it, it's, it's, it's written. Thou shalt should be written. Thou shalt be done. I did it. <laughs> I did it. People, well, they said it. I didn't have to say it. I traveled the world with Michael. George right. 
best man for that, just so you know. George okay. Allen. You're oh, my best wow. man. Just so we understand that. Say it again. Okay. Say, say it again. George Radley was my best man. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Now you tell me where I go with my best man when he wanted me to lie for him. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, the people can tell lies, but I always believe that the truth will always be made known. Oh, and it's given, um, it's given an opportunity. It is. It is. You know, truth will speak from the grave too. You know, and sometimes people will try to uh, cover up things. And it took us a hundred years ago out back to Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And now we yep. have to dig up the grid. I'm sorry. Exactly. I, that's true. I, that's the point. The well, truth will be made known. Even that's, if it speaks from the grave, it'll speak. Well, the one I wanted, one of the things I wanted to say more than anything else, that's why I, I enjoy doing this podcast, because we want to bring those things out and talk about those things. And one of the things we will know today is that without you, and that's I'm being right. very serious, Nike is not Nike. Michael mm -hmm. Jordan doesn't have that contract. Yeah, he's going to be a great player. He could have went to Adidas, which is what I heard is where he really wanted to go. Yes. Um, but you convinced him to go to Nike. You convinced him with his family, having faith and trust in you. I've heard that, too, from his father when I played with the Bulls. So I know about those stories. When they can talk certain lies, I've had more conversations with Michael's dad and, and his mom and so forth. And his mom really was impressed by you. You were the reason why Michael Jordan signed with Nike. Mm -hmm. You were the reason why a lot of <clears throat> coaches getting the, the things and the players getting the things that they got from Nike. Uh, you were the one that took Nike to a brand where before you did what you did, they had they were in circles trying to figure out what they were doing because Converse was strong, Adidas mm -hmm. was strong. But on my show today, People that are listening from here to Greece to Israel, we let I'm letting them know because right. you touched my heart and you you were the reason why I wanted to come to the Dapper Dan. And even though I was a top player in the country, you looked at me in my eye and I felt your spirit and your passion for not just the people in your, your community, Trip Ford, Pennsylvania, but Pittsburgh. You gave of yourself for the yes. betterment of all people and all everybody, and especially in that community. And I and I want to be the first one to tell you thank you. You made my life good. Uh, it was when I look back in certain moments of my life that were special. The Dapper Dan was special. It was amazing, and you made that so for me that I made sure that my mom and dad and my friends. I even brought my girlfriend up, Princess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lynette knows Princess, but mm -hmm. I am very very thankful and appreciative and i want to be one person to tell you i thank god for you god used you to touch so many people's lives yes yes and you touch minds more than anything else that's why i was able to go further on to go to duke and carry on because of people like you and i just wanted to tell you thank you so very very much thank you nothing but i know what to say i, I appreciate everything you said i appreciate Meeting Leslie and that, and, and I, I appreciate all the kids that entered in my life, and as I said before, all the parents and guardians who trusted me with you. And that to me, that to me is my Hall of Fame. That to me is my legacy. That's what it is. The other stuff is make believe. Friendship and do something for somebody means more than anything else. We're only here for a cup of coffee, Eugene. That's true. A cup of coffee. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, and I, like I said, my one of my favorite uncles was Uncle Sonny, and he's long gone past, but now I have another Uncle Sonny. Oh. So thank you so very much. Your spirit is so beautiful and so kind. And uh, we're just grateful to uh, be able to have you on the show so that you can empower and enlighten and educate our listeners on the truth as well as educating them on the real deal of what has taken place and then taking us down memory lane a little bit and allowing us to learn a little bit about Uncle, Uncle Sonny likes music. <laughs> so thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you, the two of you, for being patient with you, know, you and my partner, Pam, who is not a better partner in the world than my wife. And you made, you know, you made, all I had to do was sit here, not touch anything, that's my, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I touch anything. 
Well, I want to just Thank say I'm, I'm very, I'm very thankful for <clears throat> Pam. She's amazing. She's fantastic. But, and uh, I have nothing but great, great love for Pam and you guys bond. But John Paul Vincent, just, <laughs> just, just know that you've touched millions and millions of lives. Yes, yes. And more than anything else, you touch one guy's life that's speaking before you. And I'm glad I have this platform to bring that out to let you know and to tell you thank you. And you have no idea what maybe some, but how much you, God put you on this earth to do the biddings of his spirit to get into other people. And you did that. And I'm thankful that God allowed you to do that for us. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you too. I hope I meet you someday. Yes, I hope to soon meet you as well. And uh, we look forward to having you come back anytime you want. You are Uncle Sonny. You can come back anytime you want. So Yes, we may have to do another show. We may have to do another show. Seriously. We may have Seriously. To do show. But this, you can come back anytime you want. All right. Sonny, <laughs> God bless you. I love you. I miss you. And I'll see you soon. And for Lynette, Lynette thing to you, but Lynette, every day when I was a child, uh, my brother and I, when we'd leave the house until we got out of the house, I imagine, even at the end, I mean, even when I was 60, 70, when she passed, when I would leave the house with my brother Jimmy, we would say to her, Mom, we're seeing a little bit. My mother would say in Italian, Si vous dit, God willingly. So, si vous dit, my friend, God willingly. Si vous dit. You've been listening to The Bank Shot with your host, Gene Banks. The show is sponsored by the John Coltrane Jazz Festival and Roar Media Group. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And until next week, don't forget to take your shot, The Bank Shot. <laughs>